Crack, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. Welcome to episode 13 of Keeping Track. We're missing our third co-host today as Roisin is studying for a big exam, so we wanted to start by wishing her so much luck there. And we hope you've been enjoying our February episodes honoring Black History Month. We've received great feedback on how important these topics are to hear about and to have discussed, and we agree. Black figures in our country's history have worked their way through oppressive systems and have gone on to do great things and shape the country and world in positive ways and become sources of change and inspiration. By highlighting these topics of race that still permeate much of our society today, including the sports, entertainment, and marketing worlds, we hope to shed light on the point of views of these women and how they have had to and continue to make space for themselves in this current climate and what that has been like for them. For this final episode of February, Alicia and I talked to Marielle Hall, NCAA champ, Olympian, and three-time member of Team USA on the track and in cross-country. Marielle talks to us about her start in sports, how she found distance running, why in the USA is there a lack of visibility and popularity of distance running in the Black community, as well as the atmosphere of her Bowerman training group and her interests outside of running. Thanks for keeping track with us. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode 13 of Keeping Track. We have Alicia here, and we are just missing our third host, Ro. Ro had to take a test for her counseling um, license. So good luck, Ro. Good luck. And we have a great guest. Uh, We have Marielle this week. But let's do a little catch up on our lives first. What's going on in the life of Alicia Montano? Oh, my goodness, everyone. So much is going on. I am... um, childbirth is imminent. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I feel I'm so ready to give birth, but not at the same time because I have some projects that are on the horizon to get finished. Um, Again, we've been talking about this book. We've got like the tiny details that are happening. I'm not able to say when exact go to press is, but we're very, very close um, to that launch date. I can't wait to tell you guys more about that book. Um, Also, Things I'm able to say a little bit about, again, spreading little breadcrumbs and just for everybody to be excited about is um, Dream Eternity. We're moving it from um, movement to impact, still hashtag Dream Eternity. However, we have a name that we're going to be able to share with people on our nonprofit that we have formulated and we are in the process of filing and accruing funds to support, um, you know, mom athletes. I kind of said a little bit too much already, but really excited about all the stuff that's happening with that. Um, And I can't wait to share more with you guys. So that's where my brain's been. Um, I've taken most of my maternity leave from other obligations that I will resume around four weeks after childbirth. Um, But yeah, Molly, tell us you have something major as well. That is, uh, we have the same due date. Yours (laughs) is... Yours so, is. <laughs> I'll be giving birth to a marathon. You'll be giving birth 
to a baby. Uh, Mine only took three months. Yours took nine months. So yeah, I feel like every time we do a check-in, I'm like, yep, I'm still training for that marathon (laughs) three months. Um, But that's in two weeks. Um, In Atlanta, the Olympic marathon trials, me and 500 other women will be racing for that three spots. So it's pretty dramatic. Um, but yeah, back to, I just want to say your dream maternity, um, activations are like monumental. That's so exciting. I wouldn't be able to keep that quiet. I'm stoked for that. That's so amazing. Yeah. I mean, the movement movement and just having all of these companies sign on board for me to work towards making this, um, you know, something that is impactful for more women athletes, you know, with Caden Shea, um, ultra running, in hydration, like these companies are coming on board to say, like, we support you in your mission and we want to help you make this whole thing happen. And it, there's, it's a nice little fire that's kind of been lit and it's really motivating to make sure that happens. Anyway, um, yeah, Molly, I want to know more about you, though. <laughs> it went back to me somehow. I don't know how you did that. Well, I wanted to say also that was pretty um, groundbreaking for Ultra to sponsor you and Tina Muir, I mm-hmm. saw, as um, actively pregnant athletes. And you're not just athletes. That's why they signed you. You're also activists and um, speaking out. And you're you're so multidimensional. And that's the value that they see. So I feel like that's pretty um, revolutionary for female athletes everywhere to have that example. So that was yeah. cool. Whole person, let's celebrate them. Let's go. (laughs) Yes. So sponsoring wholeness. I love it. Um, And yeah, we talked to Marielle this interview. We'll just give you guys some tidbits, some of the highlights. It was a great interview. Not enough interviews with Marielle Hall. She's kind of a quiet athlete on the outside, but a fierce competitor on the inside. I've raced Marielle quite a few times, and I've seen that side of her. Um, So we talked to Marielle about a lot of exciting stuff. Like Alicia, what was some of the highlights for you? Um, I think it's such a difficult topic. We touched on race dynamics and distance running and, you know, me being as in my thirties and having grown, um, up in a predominantly white area and, you know, kind of growing into my womanhood as a black woman, I, I'm very curious about the feelings of other black women and, coming into their own and sharing um, spaces of representation and where we want to go and how we want to inspire as well as be inspired. And so, um, you know, we talked a lot about that and I'm always curious as well into just how we can share more of these stories so that um, we are raising awareness of, you know, the places that people in general are and it's no different from because of the color of your skin and wanting to do certain things and being represented in 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 different spaces and so I'm very inspired by you know Marielle leading the way in a lot of ways by way of enjoying running and being good at distance running and I hope that um, her example and just really it really, I think, setting the tone of just enjoying what you do and not being worried about, you know, the color of your skin or what other people in your community are or have done in the past and instead understanding that, you know, this is a space in which you can be uh, the face of representation is really inspiring to me. 
Yeah, that was really an interesting conversation. And then we just got to know Marielle a little better, how she got her start in the sport, um, her experience with training with Ajay and Ajay's coach in high school and after, and just her experience with the Bowerman women. It's such a deep group of men and women. You have medalists. You know, mm-hmm. I just was asking what practice is like um, when you have that many talented people together at once. So we get a little sneak peek into the Bowerman training lifestyle and uh, just hear what Marielle has to say. Love it. So everyone, we hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much for keeping track. Yep. Thanks for keeping track. Okay. Welcome back everyone to keeping track. This is episode 13 and we have Marielle Hall. Marielle was NCAA champ at Texas in college. She is now training with the Bowerman group and she has made the 2016 Olympic team, the 2015 5k team, and recently PR'd in Doha to be eighth in the world on the 2019 World Champs team. So, Marielle, 5K, 10K expertise. All right. Uh, are we missing anything? That's it. You got my whole life. Killed it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I think uh, there's lots of places that we could start. One of them is, of course, what everybody wants to know. Like, how did you get your start in the run, in the run world? Um, I, I started a youth track club in my, my hometown. My mom signed me up. I think I just was like everyone had a lot of energy, needed it to be, uh, put into one place. And my mom, one of her friends found out about the Marlton track club. So I signed up. I still remember my first day of practice, which is a weird memory to have, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started in middle school, just a group. I did the long jump, everything, 100, 4 by one the 400, the 8. It was just kind of whatever they needed you to do that day, that's what you did. And, yeah, that's it. How old are you? You said you were in middle school. So what? how old is that? I was, I want to say 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah. And did you do sports, any other sports, like, leading into track and field? Or is it just, like, join the track club, go run yourself out so you can go to bed? <laughs> I think that was the goal, but I, I did, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I did stuff before that. I did soccer. Uh, the World Cup was in New York, and I'm from New Jersey, so growing up, there was, everyone signed up for um, soccer right after that. <laughs> there were Perfect. hundreds of girls uh, on every soccer field in your town around that time, and um, I did gymnastics, I danced, uh, I did karate for a day. That didn't last long, but... Yeah, I think I just... <laughs> You're like, don't hit me. Come on. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. I'm curious about, jumping right in here, I'm curious about, obviously, just like the dynamic of being a distance runner, uh, American distance runner, but African-American distance runner. Um, we, of course, you know, see, um, you know, the East Africans and the popularity with distance running and the African population, but not so prevalent and popular in America to be on the distance, distance side of distance running. Um, And you're in that space. So like when you were in your youth track club, was there a lot of visibility for um, black girls in distance running? Like what made you, how'd you discover (laughs) that you were a distance runner basically? And like, you know, what were your feelings behind that? If any, I, 
I don't know. I think I just, back to my first day of practice, I remember we did this loop called the big O and it was our coaches before telling everyone that like they were going to be really tired. They weren't going to be able to finish. And like, we shouldn't try and keep up with the top group. Like we should just try and do our best. And I just remember that day I was fine to stay up with, with the lead group and I really enjoyed it. And I don't think I ever sought out distance running. I just enjoyed running, um, enjoyed the challenge of it. And at the time, I don't think I was looking around like, um, there's nobody that looks like me here or um, I feel left out or uncomfortable in this space. Uh, that's kind of the nice thing about being young is you're just uh, kind of ignorant to all of the um, nuances of and or of um, sport or events. You just kind of jump in and if, it, if you enjoy it, if it feels fun and organic, then you continue to do it. Um, so starting out, I don't feel like I ever really was looking around and noticing anything was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Molly? Yeah, I guess finding, your, finding yourself as a distance runner, like, did you just find that those events were your best events? Or was there anyone in your life that was a distance runner that kind of like made you think you're going to lean in that direction? Because it sounds like you did try a little bit of everything and you ended up here and this was the place to be. Obviously, you're making world championship teams. So how did that flow? Did you just feel that physically? Did you look, did someone help you find that? Yeah. Um, I I guess two-part, as youth track club is really diverse. Like if you go and look at a USATF or AAU meets, you'll see every kind of person doing every kind of event. So when I was younger, there were a bunch of people that looked like me in the 1500, in the 800, in the two mile, in the 3K. Um, everybody was was doing everything. Like there were people that looked like you, Molly, who were doing the 100. It was just, <laughs> it was, I don't think that when you start out when you're younger, I just think there's a lot more, um, you're just encouraged to try a lot more things. And I wasn't until I was in high school where it was just like complete separation where people are just doing sprints and, and then maybe I'm the only one in in a distance group. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was really fortunate to have a high school coach who, um, who, um, like told me that this is something that I could be good at and, and not to feel as if there were barriers or doors closed down because of how I looked or how everyone Mm -hmm. else looked. Um, So I definitely feel really fortunate for that guidance and to just have a voice that was there encouraging me and, and making me feel recognized and seen and that I was capable of, um, of doing, um, of pushing myself in a different way. Um, So who was your high school coach? Um, So Derek Thompson, he coaches Ajay now. And I was, I, I trained with him for my first two years uh, or three years professional. Um, so yeah, he's still a very close family friend. I, I talked to him just a few weeks ago and, and I really, I think it was, he was just a really pivotal person for me in high school to recognize that there was something beyond high school for running. I didn't even know what world juniors was or what the Olympic games or, um, what, uh, a lot of, the having a college scholarship, just all those opportunities I didn't really see for myself. Um, 
And then I think he just really opened my eyes to what could be possible and just kind of drilled in me in, in a very aggressive way that I was capable. Um, so that was uh, very helpful for me growing up, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm curious about um, if you have any thoughts about why there is such a um, – there's such separation between like races and events. Like I'm like literally not like races, like (laughs) racing, but like, you know, we're talking like race, like black, African-American, white, like why do you feel there's this separation of trying out different events? As we know, like within our community, the black community, um, distance running has been long perceived like not for us. And obviously you've got me middle distance, you know, happy to do distance running. I'm not good at it like you are. Um, but I can have for a long time, okay? Shoot, just not like super fast, Molly and Marielle, don't judge. Um, <laughs> I've done like a eight-mile run with you, Alicia. We were going yeah. fast. I could do it. Yeah. I could do I mean, but like this is different from racing, okay? So, but thank you for gassing me up a little bit. Um, but my point is like, I do think there's this, there is this um, stigma behind like things that black people don't do, swimming, you know, distance running. And it's not true. Obviously here we are, we've got yeah. Simone and we have, you know, just amazing women in all areas. And here you are paving the way, if I might say so myself mm-hmm. for, um, you know, black distance running in America, which is super important. Like, what do you think is um, bar- like barriers that keep um, black athletes out of distance running? in America? Um, that's such a, such a hard question. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, what you were saying is just watching U.S. tennis right now or mm-hmm. tennis globally. I think it's undeniable that the Williams sisters, how important they've been in, um, not just for tennis, just like in sport. I think that when I was younger, I didn't necessarily look to like a lot of distance runners for my inspiration but I my whole family was watching Venus and Serena every time they were on the tv um you know my dad hasn't picked up a golf club in his life but he watches Tiger Woods um there's just I think a connection that sometimes that you have with seeing people in different spaces that really is uplifting um so yeah I think conversation that's being had all over the world right now is how important representation is and how important it is to just see people doing things that you didn't think were possible. Um, That can be having to do with race or not. Sometimes like watching, you know, Molly run the the American record in the 10K in Rio was just, that was mind blowing. (laughs) It didn't have to necessarily do with, um, it just raises the bar for what you think is possible. So I would say the same thing is just having more visibility, seeing more people in different events, um, testing, and just even understanding the training. Um, I think a lot of people who would see like a 400 meter hurdler wouldn't necessarily know that they probably, they do distance runs. They, Uh they, they, uh, almost to me it's like being an 800 meter runner it's like similar training similar um, endurance so I just having more knowledge about what it takes at each level I think initially initially people are scared to hear that you're going to run for an hour it's like where would you do that how would you do that (laughs) (laughs) um but just 
getting to know the events, the sport better, seeing more people in different places. I think all of that is really encouraging and hopefully just kind of keeps pushing the boundaries and, and hopefully, yeah, we'll see a lot of different people doing a lot of different things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because distance running, well, track and field in general at the global level is probably one of the most diverse sports you could ever find. Like you watch a world champs track meet and you see everybody, every person, literally any country you can have a gold medalist. Like it seems <laughs> like there aren't many barriers because the sport's not like super expensive. But then it is strange when you zoom in on certain cultures like distance running. It, it does seem a lot of, like a lot of white people in the U.S. Like Alicia, I remember we were having the conversation about the cover of Runner's World. And mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, that's a magazine marketed to distance runners. And you're like, I don't see a lot of people that look like me on the cover of Runner's World. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a distance so um, it is definitely a, uni- a unique thing here. And yeah, it's we need to reflect the diversity that already exists at the world level, I think. Yeah. I think one of the difficult parts about that, too, is, you know, how much we celebrate running in America. And it, ju- it does feel very segregated on who can have running because of what's celebrated in America in running is just the distance side of things, 5Ks to marathons. And so celebrating all of the races, especially in America, we tend to see more Mm -hmm. um, sprinters as black athletes, you know, Um, and, you know, there's many other races that are not represented in, uh, if we're going to talk specifically about Runner's World magazine. Um, I, I just wonder from a media standpoint, like what are better ways that we can, um, you know, bring representation of all races to the forefront so that we are more unified. You know what I mean? Um, in our celebration of movement, in our celebration of things that do bring so much joy to people entering in the five Ks, entering in marathons. I mean, you know, we do have black girls run, uh, black girls rock and all these things that, that do end up celebrating, you know, the, brown skinned runner but at the same time um the difficulty in having the media kind of latch on to that to understand like we want to be represented in a way that um can inspire the next generation uh, do you see that moving marielle mm-hmm. do you think do you see that kind of moving in a in a place where you are able to um climb a ladder where you're able to elevate where you're able to market yourself or be marketed? Yeah, I I mean, I think we're definitely in a time where like the consumer is super conscious of everything and anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm grateful for that. Just I think it's made me more alert and aware of how I where I choose to spend my time and my money. And um, like you said, I I'm not going to continue to buy a magazine if I don't support necessarily the things that are being represented in it. And that's not anything against runner's world or any met, but I think it's just, um, that's what you choose to do. Like as an individual, you're just trying to support, um, things that support you and and where you feel seen and, Uh um, where you think will push the sport forward, which is, I think obviously what everybody wants is for the next day to be a better one kind of deal. Um, so I, I feel optimistic that people are alert and aware of, of what people are saying and doing. Um, and I think that's, uh, the best position or the best place to put yourself is, is to be optimistic and to like, 
what you guys are doing with this podcast, I think people will listen to this and they will make decisions. And hopefully there's someone at the table at Runner's World or at a company that hears this message and, and then they're um, that they choose to bring more people to the table to decide when they're looking for their next article or, or the next thing that they show on the cover um, that they're the, they, they're bringing more voices in, into that conversation on what to decide to do. Um, so I feel good about that. I think I've, I've seen whether it's, I think everything at the end of the day is to like make, make money, make the consumer happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, and I feel good about what people are choosing to care about now mm -hmm. in this, mm -hmm. in this day and age. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's definitely possible and I'm excited about how easy it also is to like, come up with your own ideas like you don't need the magazine anymore or mm -hmm. the like you have your own platform and, and mm -hmm. you have your you have your own ways to connect with with viewers and with people and mm -hmm. so I feel good about that just like um other and there's the traditional machine and then there's more organic movement and Definitely. I think those two combined um I feel good about I think yeah let's get that combination going I mean let, let this be a challenge I think it's yeah it's true like we have our platforms that we can ha create our own voices and ele help elevate one another but it is still important for those that are existing to be challenged and to kind of step up to um, what you know they may see or may not see as something that is a problem if we can use that as a word you know we want to be represented as well so um, maybe I'll just do a quick call out runners world. You've got Marielle here, you know, right. you've got you, <laughs> got two ladies here. Yes. <laughs> March and April. And, and I think yes. that's a great part about calling something like runners world is like really celebrating all runners. I think, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to just be how long can you run? Um, and just kind of making it more of an inclusive space, not telling you how to do your thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying I would love to walk by in the airport and grab the magazine and feel like this is something that also supports me as well. So, yes. um, <laughs> um, sweet. Um, Molly. Yes. So our, one of our co-hosts is missing. Yeah. Uh, Ro. Missing Ro. She, <laughs> she actually just, um, was studying for her license in counseling. So she had a big exam this week, but she sent us some great questions. Um, well, I'll ask one of Roshin's questions. <clears throat> Do you have ambitions to run a marathon in the future, Marielle? I know you're in a group that is like super distance-based. You've got some great marathoners yes. in there. You're a 10K runner right now. Is that in your future? When I think about the race, it seems exciting. When I see the training, I'm like, how long can I milk the track, please? Um, so there's ambitions. I think it's always exciting for there to be an event or something you've never done before. And that could open up even more doors for your, um, just to like see my own limits and, and also opportunities to compete at the highest level. I think that's what we're all in it for is to just see how good we can be. And whatever that event is, that's, I would want to do that. Um, but for the foreseeable future, I will be on the track. Uh, but definitely ambitions to just test myself for sure. Yeah. 
You're in such a deep group of women right now. And I mean, you were in a great group too when you first graduated with Ajay. And I know it wasn't the biggest, as big as it was now, but now you're in with the Bowerman women. Like, can you talk about how much you've learned from them and just what it's like to be in a group of that size? I know there's probably positives and negatives, but mostly it's just a lot of help and support and role models. So what's that been like? Yeah. Um, I, I've, I mean, it's, it's been an incredible experience. I always say that it's like Jerry, Pascal, Shalane, those are our coaches, but there's 20 other athletes that I also receive advice from that I look up to that. Um, so you're just kind of like grabbing bits and pieces from everyone's formula and trying and making it your own. Uh, and I'm really grateful to just have that many examples um, for a successful path or uh, just because I think running after you finish college can be a little bit confusing, lonely. You don't really know what are the right steps. Um, and just to have people who've experienced, experienced the sport in a different way. Um, that's, that's a really positive attribute to being in a group this size and the depth, obviously you can't carry the workload by yourself every day. Um, so just being able to key off of other people when you're, when you're not having a great day. And, um, just, it's also, I think made me a, just a stronger, it's, you have to be more resilient and, um, just have more confidence in yourself because every day you're kind of walking into the fire of everyone's talents and everyone's, um, everyone's capabilities. So to really trust that you are um, good enough to be at this level and in this group and translate that to competition uh, takes a lot of mental strength that I think is another important part to the sport. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I exactly answered it, but <laughs> yeah. it is I it is a really great environment to be in and um, can't ask for just being surrounded by X amount of people on a daily basis who are chasing their dreams. That's a very uplifting environment. Yeah. yeah. One thing I always wonder about in the, in the larger groups when you have such super talented people together is, and I'm sure this has happened to you at some point, like kind of protecting your like fatigue levels because there's always someone who feels good. You're training with multiple medalists. You're at altitude half the year. I know you guys do really hard work. Like a lot of your 10K training could, you know, conceivably be marathon training like you guys do a lot of volume so how have you navigated sort of like trying to hang with the best but also like not going over that line of overtraining and just like finding the line I guess finding your limits and staying there yeah I mean it's hard I, I think you're I'm, I couldn't say that I've mastered it completely and I've, I've figured out um how to 100 percent like preserve myself within the environment on a daily basis. I, I think it just comes back to forcing yourself to listen to your body the best that you can. And, um, and just again, like leaning into your, into why you believe that you've made it this far in the first place and, and going back to maybe advice that you got when you were middle school and high school and college and just, and, and not really trying to be in competition with with everyone on a daily basis. Um, I think you're it's we're all just like trying to execute 
lean um, the workout that we've been given and and not go above and beyond that calling. Um, I think sometimes it's you 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 want to feel like you're in a race scenario every day, but just kind of stepping back from that and, and trusting that Jerry is going to give you the right work for for where you are. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is just trust in yourself and in your coaches. Yeah. I feel like that might be a misconception people have when they see these great training groups is that you're racing each other every day. And I don't want to say that I like sandbag workouts, but I definitely have like workout intensity and race intensity. And like, I usually don't hit race intensity in a workout more than like a few times a year. And so it's really important in like having a long-term approach, I think. But, um, when you work as a group, you all kind of have to find that with each other. So it seems like you guys do that really well. Yeah. I think it's just, it's like you get the pace and someone may feel great and they may go a little beyond that. Someone may not feel as great and then they may feel like they're wor- really working to, to hit that that day. But I, I feel like Jerry's always pretty good about reminding us that it's like some days are going to be, if you have to work a little bit hard, like work at it a little bit, that's okay. If, if you can kind of just relax and ease into the pace, work on that too. Just work on being, like in control and confident and, and smooth. Um, so I think it's just, there's, you're going to have those fluctuations where everyone feels different, but just remembering that you can always work on something within that day or in within that space. Um, so I think that's been helpful to me. There's days where I'm like, Oh, like you could, I could kill it today. Um, but that's not the point. And, and to be able to like rein in that control is another skill that I could use, um, competitively. Um, so I'm still building something. I'm still getting better. It just may not necessarily be that physical piece that, um, I think sometimes you get so lost up in that, um, wrapped up in that. I just want to be as fit as possible all the time. Um, but there are different, different ways to get there. The perks of training partners, it's it's the power of being able to, um, elevate, one another while elevating yourself. It's not like you have to smash other people or other women to improve. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Um, so the purpose of keeping track is to be able to better tell women's stories and elevate our voices. As you know, media coverage in sports, we're only covered 4% in sports. Like that's just absolutely insane. What are some, some things that you we need to know more about Marielle Hall. Like, how can we best support her? What are some nuances to your story that have not been told that is important? Ooh, hard-hitting questions. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know that I have anything in particular that I, I feel like is important to my story. It just... I think there's some people that get the opportunity to tell their story a hundred times and other people only get it five times. So if anything, it would just be hopefully to continue to tell my story, get it closer to a hundred, um, be myself around different types of people as much as possible. And hopefully it resonates with someone. And, um, I think that's just why I love sport in general so much, not just running is I'm, I'm attached to the players and people and then their families. And, um, that's what I tune into games for is cause I, I'm somehow connected to this person cause I saw an interview with them or read an article. So I don't have anything like know this about Marielle, but I would just say 
Um, hopefully, uh, there's something about me or that you see when I'm competing or that you've heard um, in a story or on a podcast and that you feel um, connected to keep following me. And one day, hopefully, something will will resonate or something continues to resonate. And yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> if you weren't running, what would you be doing? Or what are some things that you aspire to do when you can still be a runner when you're not a professional runner, but once the pro side of things is finished? Oh, Kate and I were actually just talking about this. We were saying that we want to be like, we want our second and third acts to like, that's what people will know us by not running. <laughs> but if they did know us by running, that'd be cool. But we're just doing something so great in part two and three that this will be an afterthought. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think recently I have been interested in um, like uh, screenplays and and more storytelling. I really do enjoy that aspect of sport. I think there's a lot of new um, platforms, uninterrupted um, podcasts. There's just a lot of interesting things people are doing to tell stories. And TV is really. I just. I think that traditionally the like things we see in movies is blockbusters only. Um, stories that will make money but I think we're seeing with TV that people want to see a lot of different ideas and stories and and all that's really exciting to me to just the amount of ideas and um so yeah I feel like after running or while I'm still running I, I would love to engage in some type of storytelling whether that be within the sport or outside of it um I really love music so that's, I don't know how I could create a career out of that, but <laughs> I love, uh, that's something else that I really enjoy and I think has continued to motivate me throughout my career. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like every altitude camp, I come up with a new career, so we'll see. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> The a music part. Time. A lot of time up there to think about it, huh? A lot of time. Okay, let's close out with telling us what's on your playlist then. What type of music motivates you? I'm also a music head. I listen to music all the time. I remember when they were like uh, a bunch of distance runners when I first joined the Cal team in college and they were like, you don't listen to music on runs? I was like, I do. So um, song right now that I feel like it's been in my head a lot before workouts has been um, Countdown from Beyonce live album. It was the Google, um, it was the instrumentals behind Google's celebration for Black History Month. And it's just a really uplifting commercial. I feel like I like to watch that before workouts. <laughs> and that song is just I, I like it. So Countdown from the Homecoming live album, Beyonce. That's a song right now that I that I just, I like. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Beyonce, really. Ever. No. Yeah, she is also on my pre-race playlist. So that is Ooh, great really? pump-up music. Yes. Um, in wrapping up the interview, I've raced against you, Marielle, quite a few times. And I feel like you're sort of, there's, I do relate to you as far as being calm with like a storm underneath and like a fierce competitor. And I feel like even since college, you were like that. I remember when you were third at USA's that your senior year at Texas. So people will be, um, have some exciting things to watch in this Olympic year, I think. No, 
Oh, well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to watching you at the trials, too. I never say best of luck. I just say have fun because I don't know. <laughs> it feels better than luck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying just going into this year. I think it will be fun for just to watch everyone, to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to it. Sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll sign off here and tell all the Bowerman babes we say hi and happy training with you guys and good luck in the future. What's your next? Oh, let's ha let's tell people where we can find you on social media um, and what your next race is, if you know. Okay, um, my next race, I believe, will be um, the Jacksonville 15K on March 7th or early March, first week of March, I believe. And um, on Instagram, I'm Marielle Hall with three L's. <laughs> and uh, Twitter, I am just um, Marielle, same Marielle Hall, three L's. <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's do some good storytelling this Olympic year. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Marielle. Good luck. And we will let you get back to training today. <laughs> good. Have a good one. Bye. Yep. Bye. Keep trying. Keep trying. Major shout-outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.